Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Welcome to The Counter, everybody. We brought an old friend back today. Uh, Steven Ruiz is here. Steven, whatever happened to you? Where'd you go? Uh, I'm just homeless now. I'm just living say. on the street. Oh, he's off the lay of the land. I'm, I'm, oh. No, I write for The Ringer now. I've, I've moved on. The Ringer? <laughs> oh, I, I think I've heard of that. It's a pretty cool site. <laughs> pretty pretty good, I guess. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we brought Steven in because he wrote about Lamar Jackson and uh, wanted to talk to him about that and what he saw from the Ravens finally beating the Chiefs, finding a way. Uh, so we'll dig in on that. Charles McDonald's here with me as per usual. Chuck, what's happening? Uh, nothing much. I'm ready for uh, another week of uh, NFL action. I'm also ready to see if uh, – Davis Mills survives his battle with the defense tonight. <laughs> oh my God, we have to talk to Steven about Davis Mills. I, I think when we did the draft grades last last draft, I wrote you like, refused I to. I refused I to acknowledge his existence until he started an NFL game. Now I have to do it. I didn't realize it was going to be week two. He's starting the same time as Justin Fields, and only because Justin Fields, uh, the guy blocking him, got hurt. So uh, I don't know. Maybe you were wrong about Davis Mills, man. He's uh, he's the I, truth. I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about uh, Chuck's story about Justin Fields, sort of look into how we think that's going to go. And then eventually, uh, Charles and I will go over picks for each game this week. Uh, yeah, should be fun. All right, Steven, Lamar Jackson, he finally did it. He finally finally beat Patrick Mahomes. This was like, uh, you called it an albatross Uh it, it sort of seemed like one something that people like to talk about, uh, especially people who, uh, you know, just hate Lamar Jackson. For <laughs> I'm not sure why, but uh, you yeah, know, yeah, you are. You just think, you know, he can't pass and you just can't win that way uh, in the NFL. And you uh, you showed us why that that assumption is not true. Uh, what did you see from the film on this game that that stuck out for you that? Uh, I mean, was this something different the Ravens did or was this just finally sort of like this is what the Ravens do and it actually worked this time because it works most of the time, uh, but less so against a team as good as the Chiefs? Well, I think I I think it was a lot of what they've done. It's just that they didn't abandon it quickly mm-hmm. as they have done against the Chiefs in the past. Like I, I mentioned it in the article that their pass rate against the Chiefs in the last two matchups where they fell behind early was around 60%. And in this one, it was 39%. And they were behind the whole game. And it was a high-scoring environment. Like, it's not an environment that you expect to see a lot of runs. But the Ravens had the highest run percentage of any team during the week. And that includes teams that just blew out their opponent and ran the the clock out for the second half. So I think that's what it was. It was this team finally embraced that Lamar – in the run game, when the ball is in his hands, he could produce plays that are as explosive as 
you'll get from the best passers in the league. And they kept doing it, and that's how they came back into this game. Right. Yeah, one of the things here that uh, really stuck out for me is, uh, you know, quantifying just how the Ravens defense, Ravens uh, offense, the run game is not, you can't treat it like any other run game, right? Like it, it would be ridiculous for most teams to continue running when they get down, right? Because the pass for, Every, I, I think every other team, maybe with the exception of the Titans and Browns, who you mentioned in here, the, the, the pass game is infinite. It's just so much more effective, especially in situations like that. But with the Ravens, uh, you're just dealing with a totally different situation. You used uh, Sports Info Solutions boom and bust rate metrics. Uh, a boom play is one that creates at least one expected point added. A bust play is any that results in negative one expected points uh, or fewer. Since the start of last season, Lamar's option runs have produced boom plays 20.6% of the time with a bust rate of 5.6. Some context, the Browns led all teams in 2020 with a boom rate of 20. 20- 6.9 on passing plays and the chiefs led all teams with a bust rate of 12.1 because Mahomes gets crazy every now and then. Uh, in other words, Lamar's runs are producing the big plays you get in the passing game while avoiding the inherent risks of putting the ball in the air. Like those numbers are insane. Like uh, Lamar Jackson is God. Uh, it's cheating. <laughs> right. It's just, he's just cheating. Uh, and I know, I know uh, Chuck is a big proponent of uh, the counter bash play, but that that play <laughs> and inverted veer are the plays that I really think changed things for the Ravens' offense. Like mm-hmm. in the second half of last year, they realized that if we keep running these plays, the ball is going to end up in Lamar's hands most of the time, and that's when we get these big plays. And that's what happened in the Chiefs game. Like they ran inverted veer, they ran counter bash, they obviously ran the other runs to keep the defense honest. But that's the way they can ensure themselves getting the ball in Lamar's hands, which is hard to do if you don't have those plays in your playbook because your typical zone read play, the defense can dictate who's keeping the ball just by right. what the unblocked defender does. Right. So you guys you guys should go read this article. You find it at The Ringer. Uh, but Stephen explains in there, basically on those two plays, uh, the counter bash and inverted veer, uh, the read is the opposite. So uh, Lamar actually keeps the ball uh, on, on those plays, even though – uh, the guy sits down, the, the yeah. unblocked defender sits down. Um, and so it just has added more diversity. Is Greg Roman doing a good job? Like uh, overall, do you feel like? <laughs> I'll let Chuck take that one. <laughs> um, I still don't think so. No, right. I would agree with him. Uh, I, look, I mean, I'll guess, I guess I'll give him credit for being able to, you know, build running games with like these super duper freaky athletic quarterbacks like Kyle <laughs> and Lamar Jackson and Tyrod Taylor. Like, all right, that's cool, but can you figure out it, it, like can you figure out how to build a, a drop back passing game or just a passing game in general that you know isn't just straight up constipated all the time? Because <laughs> Stephen posted, uh, I think I don't know, remember if it was during the game or the day after, but like the 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 X nose drop that you did, yeah. you know, it's like three guys running into like a ten yard radius of each other in the in the red right. zone. Like, come on, Greg, you've been doing this for you, like he's been he's been doing. Uh, NFL play calling really as long as I can remember being conscious about what's going on in the field. Yeah. But he still hasn't really been able to figure uh, that part out, but Hey, you know, right. his run games are good and how he uh, sequences them and how he uses quarterback talent is good. But uh, I feel like even then, like the, the run game is so reliant on having a really good uh, 
running to my quarterback. Right, a player that – is there any other player that uh, – No, <laughs> no. Ever? I mean, what, what, if, what about Vic? Could he have done this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Vic could have done it, but he obviously didn't play in, in an era where they embraced right, it like they're right, doing now. right. I'm just I'm just wondering, like, what's the list of actual like of athletes who have you took them and put them took them in their prime and put them in Lamar Jackson's spot? How many do we think could do this? It's like yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, maybe Cam. But but I would say Cam is like a different type That's of different. runner. It's right. not going to be explosive like it is It's going to be consistent down to down. You're going to get five yards every time. Right. But with Vic. And even I think Lamar is even like an evolution of Vic. And I think Vic has said something like this before in the past. Like even Lamar is the next step from Vic. I think Lamar is in his own class of runner and his own class of weapon. Like we've never seen anything like this because he is a better passer than Vic also. Yeah. I think that's what separates him. Yeah. I mean, it's unfair because the evolution, like we didn't like uh, people didn't let black players play quarterback for a long time. Uh, Like just didn't even consider it and then when they did they uh made they told them not to run right it was frowned upon so like it's not really a fair comparison uh it's not like no. uh, the 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 opportunities were not there uh which is a theme in america but uh it, it, yeah. it, it, it also it also applies to playing the quarterback position yeah uh, just because you allow someone to do something after a long time of not doing it doesn't mean like your changes on it just radically <laughs> change overnight you know it's not like racism ended when the civil rights act was passed well we're all done we, we did it america we're good no it takes, a, it takes a long time to figure this stuff out so uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're finally getting to see these guys get a chance because, you know, 20 years ago, uh, Lamar Jackson might be like an Antoine Randall L uh, instead of... They tried to make him Antoine Randall L like three years ago during yeah. the draft. Like, Bill Polian tried to make him Antoine Randall L. Yeah. Right. And now, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, just another aside, I love that whenever... You're, like, you're watching a game, and this is honestly why I, I muted Lamar's name off of Twitter. <laughs> I have his name muted because I just don't want to see any more takes about him. Uh, is every time, especially now that we're in the contract talks, if he if he has a bad play or he throws an interception, you pick up people. Oh, yeah, how much are you going to pay Lamar Jackson? Like, can you just how about you just wait and watch the rest of the game? Or are you really insinuating that the Ravens should lowball their unanimous <laughs> quarterback or not pay him? Like, say it with your chest. Like, say what you really want to say. Say that you don't think that they they, they should pay him. Don't just like yeah. you know try to skirt around it by saying, "Oh, I don't know how much you pay Lamar Jackson." You you give him a blank check and figure out the rest later. And speaking and speaking of these double standards, it's I I kind of hinted at it in the at the beginning of the piece, but I never really elaborated on it, but. Lamar, like the talk is always, oh, can they beat Kansas City? Can they? Can he beat Patrick Mahomes? Meanwhile, Josh Allen has never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Right. Baker Mayfield Nobody has never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Nobody except for Tom Brady has beaten Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> why is it only Lamar? <laughs> and I mean, we know why, but that's like the the thing for me. Like he did it, and he did it in his own way. And there's like, I don't think you can question that this works like it worked against the best offense in the league, the most explosive offense in a game where Lamar didn't even play well. And they were able to come back and put up 36 points with their run game alone. And it's not like Lamar is a bad passer. When you just isolate his passing stats, he's still one of the very best passers. Yeah. In the NFL. So you have in here a tweet embedded uh, and it's, 
how quarterbacks perform in pure passing situations. So basically where expected the expected pass percentage is greater than 70%. And Lamar Jackson is – so Patrick Mahomes is like – that's probably really the takeaway from this chart is that Mahomes is like more than twice – uh, as good as anyone else. But then L- Lamar Jackson is next on the list. And he's slightly ahead of Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Like, like it, uh, Lamar Jackson obviously knows how to pass the ball. And as you guys are saying, it's not even like he has a great system for passing. Like the, mm-hmm. what Greg Romans has built for him is not that great. Uh, how good can this get, Stephen? You hint here that you feel like Rashad Bateman returning. So he's, he was the first-round pick out of Minnesota for the Ravens. He's been out uh, for a while now and is expected to miss a few more games. I mean, How much could this open up the offense and, and really take the Ravens to the next level? I feel like personnel-wise, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be they'll have a good passing game on paper. It's right. just – what does Greg Roman do with it? Because you get Rashad Bateman back, and he, he, I'm assuming he plays on the outside, so Hollywood Brown could finally move to the slot where his his middle school schooler body is like less of a liability. Like this mother, this guy, I was at this guy, this guy is 170 pounds, like playing X receiver. It doesn't make any sense. But maybe Rashad Bateman takes over that role, and they kick him inside where he could like do things, like do things that small receivers do. And I think Sammy Watkins has been pretty good so far. Like right. in that Raiders game, he made a couple big plays. Yeah, I think, it, and then you add it on to this run game, which is just a unique force. Nothing that we we can't compare this to anything else. Like I know teams come. Like people like to lump the Ravens' run-heavy play-action approach to what the Titans do, what the Browns do, but that's totally different. Like that's contingent on the run game, the offensive line blocking, and Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb being amazing. What the Ravens do is totally surrounded by the quarterback. It doesn't matter who the offensive linemen are. It doesn't matter who the running backs are. It's going to work. And Steve Spagnuolo actually said this in the run-up to the game. He was like, we don't care who's playing running back. We don't right. care who's playing offensive line. We care about number eight. The offense is going to work no matter what. So I think that's another big thing is like, and that's what I wanted to drive home is it doesn't matter if the passing game never gets to the point that we wanted to get to. Like Lamar is good enough to carry this offense. Uh, Yeah. But Steven, what about when he gets hurt, huh? (laughs) I don't know. Who's the backup now? Is it Tyler Huntley? Uh, I think so. It's Trace McSorley, right? Uh, No, he got cut. Oh, man. The Utah quarterback, Huntley. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The people who say it's the system that's helping Lamar, like we'll get a if Lamar ever gets hurt, then we'll you will know. Yeah, just more, before we move on, just back to the point of getting criticized for not being able to beat Patrick Mahomes. Like, like do people who say that out loud realize how crazy that is? Uh, <laughs> just looking at the Chiefs' record in the three seasons, Mahomes has been like the full time starter, and <laughs> the games where Mahomes has been the starting quarterback: twelve and four, twenty eighteen; eleven and three, twenty nineteen. 14 and 1 2020. What like what the hell? We're all in agreement that this is the best quarterback talent that we've probably ever seen and you're just going to rag on Lamar because he can't get past that like who cares? No no one thinks he's as good as Patrick Mahomes. No one is as good as Patrick Mahomes. So it's kind of right. weird that right. we get stuck up on on that. And he's, and he's the best quarterback talent we've ever seen paired with one of the better offensive coaches we've ever seen, paired with one of the fastest wide receivers we've ever seen, paired with one of the best tight ends we've ever seen. Like, I mean, (laughs) he obviously has so many more advantages than uh, like, like Steven points out, Lamar Jackson does like, they have not surrounded him with good receivers. uh, The the list, 
the list of quarterbacks who have actually beaten Patrick Mahomes, I'm looking at looking it up right now. It's like Jacoby Brissett somehow <laughs> did it, but then it's all Tom Brady, and then Houston quarterback number four, uh, and those are the, like the only people that have beaten them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. One one quick thing on the Ravens, I wanted to get your thought on Stephen. Uh, what do you think of what Wink Martindale did uh, pulling back on the blitz, which you know Patrick Mahomes had killed them before? And is this defense going to be good enough, given all the injuries, uh, to carry the to to you know keep up with Lamar and and make this team a real Super Bowl threat? <laughs> no, because like the Chiefs moved the ball at will right. on Sunday night. I don't think that did anything. They got some timely turnovers, which helped. Thirty-six points be enough to win a game, which it should. It should be ninety percent of the time. But yeah, I, I planned on writing, uh, making this article like a oh the Ravens solved the Chiefs problem. But I watched the, the film <laughs> of the defense, and I was like, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> not solved. All right, let's talk Justin Fields. He's going to play football uh, uh, this week uh, purely because Andy Dalton is hurt. Uh, Chuck had a take on this. Uh, you know, we have not been shy about how we feel about this one. But uh, what are the chances that Justin Fields pulls a Tom Brady and just steals this job and, and never looks back? Well, I, I think I, I think that it's a very real possibility. And the thing with Justin Fields that is just so baffling to me is I don't understand why Matt Nagy keeps backing himself into this corner publicly where, like, he's basically just – kind of insinuating there's no chance that Justin Fields plays well enough to, you know, take the starting job from Andy Dalton. And it, I, I don't understand. <laughs> see, that's how I, get, I get hung up on it. If, it's, if we were talking about a situation where it was the Chiefs and Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, like Alex Smith was – I think he was coming off a year where he led the league and passed the rating or something like that. Or, no, that was the year. Okay, that was the year. Okay, but still, like, he was playing good football. It's it just not really a comparable situation to other quarterbacks that have – uh, sat because we all know that Justin Fields is better than Andy Dalton, uh, <laughs> especially at this point in his career. And I don't understand why Matt Nagy keeps coming out and saying that Andy's going to be the starter. Andy's going to be the starter because I don't know who that helps in the long term or the short term. Uh, I, maybe he's saying different stuff privately. Maybe this is just to appease Andy Dalton, which again, I don't know why you would care about that really. Either. <laughs> Uh, but that, that's that's the main takeaway for me is that you know Justin Fields is, is certainly good enough to uh, to play well against the Browns defense that you know to this point has has been all right. I mean, uh, I don't really think there's any shame in getting torched by Patrick Mahomes week one, no. but then to come out uh, week two and before Tyrod got hurt, dude, he was ten for eleven, one hundred twenty oh yards, one touchdown, and then he had the the run where he got hurt and had to come out of the game like. They weren't. It, it, it's not like that. They've been shutting down, you know, quality quarterbacks this year. And then Davis Mills came in, and you know that was kind of a wrap for uh, the Texans. But you know, I don't see why Justin Fields couldn't do something similar to what Tyler Tyra was doing. I'm not saying that he's going to go out completely like 90 of his passes at 10 yards per attempt, but you can go out and do some damage to this Browns defense. Clearly, if he can stay upright with uh, the pass rushes that they have, so. Uh, it, it's just kind of weird that there's no vote of confidence that, hey, you know, this guy that we traded up for uh, to get with the 11th pick in the draft and the first for, 
is good enough to start, you know, for the rest of the season over Andy freaking Dalton. I I really don't understand the public stance that Matt Nagy backed himself into. And the concern, too, is that if Matt Nagy really believes this, that Andy Dalton is like his starter and it would be hard to get uh, for Justin Fields to catch him, he probably designed an offense for Andy Dalton, right? Like, and now Justin Fields who is a much more dynamic player, uh, both, I think, throwing a- and running, like, it's just going to be limited for him. I mean, is this offense in any way optimized for fields? Like, I think he's going to run it better, but it just seems like they, they're they going to limit him by having an offense mm-hmm. that was actually built for Andy Dalton. Yeah, I, I feel like it makes more sense to just – get on with it and start the right. field's era and lean into the offense. You're going to build around a player like him, which is going to be different from for an offense you build around Andy Dalton. And we've talked about how important those reps are. Like those live reps help a quarterback develop faster. I don't get the delay. And it reminds me of what the bears did with Trubisky, where they were <laughs> messing around with uh, Mike Lennon and letting him play. Game. Like why, what, why Mike Lennon, got it, got Andy Dalton. <laughs> Got to get some Glennon in there, man. Andy Dalton. Good lord, it, it's it's just insane. I, and and I, I know we've talked about this before, but look, if Matt Nagy is doing this to save his job, like what part of this is saving his job? <laughs> like, like, seriously, because that's the part that no one has explained to me. Because I, I know that you know Sheffield will get up there with whoever's agent is telling him to save the fun crap <laughs> on ESPN and say, oh, you know. Uh, the, the the Bears, you know, they're not playing Matt. They're not playing Justin Fields. Look at uh, Tom Brady behind Drew Bledsoe, or <laughs> Aaron Rodgers behind Brett freaking Favre. Uh, yeah, these are similar situations. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> if you're Matt Nagy and the clock's ticking, because honestly, if, if things start to go south after that uh, Bengals win, you finally got on the board. But I don't really think that uh, that was overly convincing. I mean, you, you beat a team by three points and they had a stretch of plays where they threw three straight interceptions. So I'm not sure that that's something that you can really get too fired up about. Why not just play the best quarterback? Like, why are you not putting the best players on the field? If you're trying to win this thing, uh, cause I, I don't really understand what extending this Andy Dalton leash does for you outside of just put a bad quarterback on the field when you need to win games to keep your job. It, it, I mean, it, it's I, not sensible. Yeah. I mean, if, if I feel like it's punting on fourth down from your from like the the fifty yard, like it's just a like conservative football man thing where he's like, well, he's I think he's trying to buy one extra year by saying, well, we're bringing Justin Fields along slowly, and so he wasn't ready until the tenth game, and we went uh, whatever the number would be now eight nine like. Because we were, you know, I was being patient, doing the right thing. So next year is the year. Like, it felt like that's the only explanation I can come up with. It's like it's like when a college basketball coach comes in and he, like, says that the program's in ruin and there's nothing he can do. So he's just trying to buy himself time and a honeymoon period. It just feels like that's what's happening here. It's, and it's so bizarre because Justin Fields is so ready. Like he's, he's, he's just, he's that guy. Like he's, it, it's, it's gotta be an extending his job security situation because I leaning on Andy Dalton to save your job for you just isn't a place I would ever want to be. in. it just doesn't make sense. Like, Oh yeah. Andy Dalton's the guy that's going to save my job. No, it's not going to happen. And it's like the 49er situation where like, have you seen those games? Kyle Shanahan is calling plays like he has a rookie quarterback with Jimmy G back there. Why don't you just play the rookie then? If you're going to call plays like that anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man. Ooh, right, at least with, with Jimmy, like I, you could you could tell me we're paying him a lot of money to yeah. not sit on the bench. You're not doing that with Andy. Like, grow up, dude. <laughs> I don't know what else, what else there is to say. Use your eyes. Fight back. <laughs> There's too much justice on the spot. I, mean, I know. <laughs> I know he was on it last week. I did the residual a couple weeks ago before the season. <laughs> he uh he he would have been really mad at you praising Sammy Watkins. So he is very oh, against yeah. any. Yeah, he, he keeps doing this bit where he thinks that everyone is saying that this is Sammy Watkins' breakout season. I'm like, can you tell me one person who said that? <laughs> justice has a lot of those like bits he has in his head. Like one time he's called, in the group. They're called straw men. Uh, I, I think yes. Nina called him out on it. Right. He, he came into the chat one time. Was like, "Who? Why did you guys tell me North Carolina's offensive line was good?" I was like, "Nobody in this chat has ever cared about North Carolina's offensive line or ever had an opinion on it." What are you talking about? <laughs> Man, if somebody came to me talking about North Carolina's offensive line, I would probably no, yeah. tell them to seek help. Uh, just... Get that person out of your life immediately. <laughs> Uh, Steven, why we got you? I want to know what do you think is going to happen with this taunting rule? What what what's going on here? Is, are we just going to deal with this all all season long? Uh, I think they're going to stop calling it. Like that seems to be the thing they do with these point of emphasis. Right? Is like remember remember back in the point day of when emphasis. Em- what's emphases? the points of emphasis? Yeah, I think points, points of emphasis. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember back when they were like you weren't allowed to spear people and then they just like sort of let it go (laughs) everyone complained about the calls and then it stopped after like week three i think that's what's gonna happen hopefully that's what happens yeah yeah because they're big uh they're big plays like it's the they they're you know it's a first down 15 yards and it usually happens after something good right so like right that's why they're celebrating right uh so it's it's a big deal all right man thanks for uh stopping by it's good to good to know you're still out there doing your thing (laughs) glad you landed somewhere uh i guess people can check out your work over at the ringer uh and on twitter at the steven ruiz uh yeah man thanks for being here appreciate it thanks for having me it's been good to be back in the zencaster room yeah Love it here. All right. Talk to you later, man. All right. Later, guys. Later. All right. We're back. Let's do some picks. Let's, let's pick against the spread. These spreads are brought to you by Tipico Sportsbook. Uh, I, uh, you know, you guys, I got to be honest, Chuck. Rough start for both of you. Uh, Charles Curtis is 10 and 22. Uh, picks against the spread. You're 15 and 17. So you're you still, I still got some faith in you that you'll you'll finish the week above 500. I think. But Look, 15 and 17. That's that's not bad. No, uh, it's, it's not great. But if you uh, if you put your money on the right games when you listen to me, uh, you're, you're doing okay. If not, sorry about that. Yeah. But uh, you know, 40 47 percent as a, a non professional gambler, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we're going to go in uh, order of this post is over at For the Win. I guess it's at Bet FTW, our, uh, our betting vertical. Uh, NFL picks against the spread. I'm just going to go right in the order here that they appear in the post, starting with this scintillating Panthers-Texans, Sam Darnold, Davis Mills showdown. The Texans are getting seven and a half uh, because... Uh, they're playing Davis Mills at quarterback against a Panthers defense that is actually pretty good. A lot of buzz this week about about this Panthers defense. You went with Carolina. Yeah, if Tyrod was playing this week, well, I guess the spread probably wouldn't be seven. Right. Uh, 
but I'd be more inclined to take the Texans. But I, I if you've watched that Panthers defense and really especially what they did to New Orleans uh, on Sunday, it, it's kind of like what Rex Ryan was doing back with the Jets, where they are just they were playing a lot of man coverage, single high, and just blitzing the absolute hell out of James Winston and. They, they, they had the Saints off of the line. Their brain was in a blender. They had no idea right. what was going on. Uh, Andres P and Cesar Ruiz in the middle, they were just letting free rushes run by them all game. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that if, if a veteran offensive line is kind of getting messed up by that uh, with, you know, a, a veteran coach and Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael and uh, James Winston's been around for a while, like if they're getting that confused by what's going on, I can just only imagine what, uh, a rookie quarterback is going to look like uh, against that defense. So, uh, you know, Thursday night football on the road is kind of tough and seven and a half is a lot, but I, I really think that this Panthers defense specifically, the way that uh, Phil Snow has been calls, calling plays, it's basically the perfect setup to just nuke a rookie quarterback and keep him moving. Yeah. Uh, just not, not excited to watch anything about this game at all. No. Uh, but yeah, that feels about right. Uh, another one, I'm not excited about Bengals Steelers. Steelers are giving up three and a half in this game, uh, which is seems to be an indication with how, how the Bengals have been met. Uh, this just really seems like an indication that people are uh, starting to realize that Ben Roethlisberger is not <laughs> – like, I don't know. He's not. He's been bad for a while now, and uh, it's not. It's not coming back. Yeah, he stinks. Uh, he's. He's. I mean, he's been awful this season. And honestly, I think he looks a little worse than last year. Right. Uh, and it, 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 it kind of goes back to the, why is Pittsburgh not taking this quarterback of the future thing more seriously? But uh, it looks like they're about. It looks like they're about to be kind of in the area where Atlanta is in, where you're just kind of waiting around and seeing what happens in the next few years, but that's not really a good place to be. But for this week, uh, I, I picked the Steelers because I, I just don't really know how the Bengals plan on moving the ball and uh, blocking that Steelers front. Uh, I'm not sure if TJ Watt is going to play. I'm not sure if they need him to play because they just have uh, such an overwhelming talent advantage in the front. And uh, that's going to make it hard for them to pick up big plays down the field. And, you know, when you have, Someone like Micah Fitzpatrick uh, getting the cleanup off of those plays that the defensive line makes, you might be able to force him into uh, a few more turnovers like the Bears were able to do last week. I'm I'm expecting this to be pretty low scoring. Uh, and it's not because I think the Bengals' defense is that good. I just don't really think the Steelers' offense, particularly the quarterback, uh, has the juice to keep it going uh, like we have seen him do in, in previous years. So, you know, I, I wouldn't watch this game if I were you. Uh, I, I would just kind of keep whatever comes on red zone and, and, and know that you spent your Sunday doing something better. Uh, and, you know, put your money on the Steelers if you're so inclined to do that. All right. Bears at Browns. We talked a little bit about this game with Justin Fields angle. Uh, Browns are minus six and a half. Uh, Charles Curtis went with the Bears because he seems very jazzed about Justin Fields. You went with the Browns. Uh, yeah, I want the Browns just because I I think Justin Fields is good. Uh, I think he's he's more than capable of putting up a performance that shows that he should be the quarterback for the rest of the year. But I I don't think that means that they win this game. Uh, I I think that keeping up with this Browns offense is uh, a really tall task for a rookie quarterback, and it's going to be uh, a, a 
tough for him to keep score with them. I, I wrote this week in the four words that you know the Browns offense, basically, no matter how they want to beat you, they can. Uh, Nick Chubb is playing absolutely insane football right now. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about a football that a football team that's that well coached and has that much offensive firepower, going against a rookie, making his first start on the road. Um, yeah, like even if you're a big Justin Fields fan, which I am, you can't really say that that's not a tough test for him. And if, if you need to, if you have to tell Justin Fields, like, hey, we might need 30 points or 35 points to come out with the dub here, uh, I, I'm not really sure that that's something that you can ask of him in his first start. So, you know, I still expect Fields to play well, but I still think that the Browns win pretty comfortably. All right, we got uh, Chargers Chiefs up next. Two teams coming off, uh, you know, disappointing losses, I think. Chargers sort of beat themselves a little bit. Chiefs obviously had that close one against the Ravens. Uh, Chiefs are minus six and a half. Uh, Charles Curtis went Chargers. You went Chiefs. I like how you guys uh, not a lot of the same picks this week. Uh, I like I like the divergent way that you guys are going about this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I I just still feel like the the Chiefs are a good deal better than the Chargers right now. Uh, I know that Justin Justin Herbert is playing like insane football right yeah. now, but as a whole, like their their offense hasn't been that efficient. Uh, and even even as well as Justin Herbert's playing, it's not like their passing game has also been that productive uh, throughout the first couple of games. You, you, you're basically kind of relying on these big chunk plays uh, where Herbert can save you from a bad look or maybe a, a, you know some mess of protection on the right side because Bulag has been out. So uh, I, I I just think that the talent advantage is kind of in favor of the Chiefs and. Uh, maybe the Chargers defense can step up and, and start to slow them down because you know they've been a an above average unit so far. But I just kind of think that the the Chiefs they they, they just look better on offense to me as a whole. Uh, maybe Herbert can you know can provide enough big plays where they can overcome this spread uh, and make it a game. But uh, just when you look at the whole, I, I just like what the Chiefs are doing a lot more than what the Chargers have put on tape so far. Uh, Cardinals at Jags. Jags are getting seven and a half. Uh, I loved Vic Fangio this week. You know, I've written like, I don't know, 50 columns in my life ripping into Urban Meyer. And Vic Fangio just destroyed him better than I ever could have by revealing the fact that Urban Meyer uh, told him uh, playing in the NFL is like playing Alabama every week. Like, yeah, yeah, buddy. Uh, the teams in this league all, all have pretty equal talent. Uh, none of them, you, you can't just recruit your way to easy wins. Like, you have to really coach. Uh, and I don't know. It just seems like Urban is not picked up on that. Or, you know, he may make he may make the jump. He's one of the, the better college coaches ever, but it sure seems doubtful now. Uh, you went with the Cardinals in this one. No surprise with the way Kyler Murray's playing. Yeah, I... Kyler Murray is really good. Uh, he's super duper in sync with the uh, receiving options that he has. And I mean, have you seen how uh, the Jags defense has played so far? They got lit up by Teddy Bridgewater. They got lit up by Tyra Taylor. <laughs> I don't really see why it'll be any different this week. Uh, take the Cardinals and, and just keep it moving. Uh, the football team is traveling to Buffalo to play the Bills. Bills minus seven and a half. Uh, both of you went with the football team on this one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I went with the football team 
and it, it was kind of hard for, for me to, to to do this because, or, or this was a hard game to pick because usually like the, the talent advantage that Washington has is their defensive line. But honestly, outside of John Allen, their defensive line hasn't been like that dominant this year. I mean, they, the, the Giants offensive line uh, held them at bay for the most part in that game last week uh, on Thursday night. And if you go back and watch that that Bills game against uh, Miami, even though they won 35 to nothing, it wasn't like a super convincing win. Uh, they had a couple of big plays, but Josh Allen, for the most part, was pretty erratic. Uh, you know, they just didn't seem in sync in terms of the passing game. So uh, the reason I took Washington is basically I just think this is going to be one of those sloppy, low-scoring games where, uh, you know, nobody can really pull away. And I, I think that seven and a half points is a lot for this Bills team based on the performance that they've put out so far. Yeah. Yeah, the Bills uh, have a lot to sort out, I think, on both both sides of the football uh, and – uh, you know, reading a couple of things and watching some of the clips going around with Josh Allen, uh, he just seems a little befuddled this year. And I don't know, I don't know if defenses are doing something, but he's just missing reads, it seems like. And that's for him, it's, it's, you know, he's just not a guy who I think if he doesn't, ca- if he doesn't see that open read, you know, that we talked about Brian Dable last year getting him those open reads and, and and putting him in position to make throws he can make. It just seems like for whatever reason, that's not happening this year. Uh, so we'll have to watch to see, you know, is that a defensive thing? Is it just sort of him hiccuping a little bit, uh, whether he regulates that or figures it out will be an interesting storyline as we go forward. Uh, Ravens at Lions. Lions getting eight and a half at home, which makes sense because they're terrible. Both of you picked the Ravens. Uh, yeah, I, have you seen the Lions play this year? I, mean, I know that they've had some feisty moments, like the right. second half of that, uh, the second half of the uh, 49ers Over. game, the first half of the yeah. Packers game. But right. I, I just think that slowing down Lamar Jackson is a task that is way too tall for uh, this Lions defense. And maybe they can keep it close for like a quarter or so and, and play well in spurts. But yeah, that that's just not a matchup that's good for any team, and especially one that is like seven years away from being competitive. Uh, Falcons at Giants in a game that should be absolutely punted to the moon. Uh, minus two and a half for the Giants here. Both of you went with the Giants. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pick my own team after <laughs> what they've done this year. <laughs> Kidding me? The, the, uh, okay, so the Falcons, they've been on in New York. So, I, I mean, I've been, I watched the Tampa Bay game, right. uh, and then I watched a week one game against Philadelphia, and, like, this is just a horrific football team. Uh, they're, they're by far last in uh, point differential this year with uh, minus 49 points through the first uh, two games of the season, which is really, really hard to do. The the team that is, uh, I guess, in 31st place is Miami Dolphins with minus 34, so they're 15 points worse. Uh, did, you ex- did you extrapolate that over the course of the season? Because that's I did a not yet. I <laughs> that's a lot of minus. <laughs> I should I should do that right now. Whatever, 24.5 <laughs> times 17 is uh, 4 to 16.5 points. So if they, keep, if they keep losing at the rate that they're doing, uh, they're going to be one of the worst teams in NFL history. You, you just kind of see – last week was the same old Falcons. Like, you, you look terrible. Then the third quarter, you're like, oh, wait, we have some good football players in this team. And then – uh, it all just unravels in the fourth quarter where you're you're down 25 to 28. And before you know it, it's 48 to 25 and the game's over and you look like crap. So 
Uh, I'm expecting this to be the week where people go, hey, wait, do the Giants have a chance to win the NFC East? Is Saquon Barkley back? Uh, Is Patrick Graham the GOAT defensive coordinator? Uh, And that's where they're going to have to end up. Uh, So take the Giants, but please do not watch this game. Uh, Colts at Titans, Titans minus five and a half. Uh, this one, so people, uh, people are still sort of like blaming, uh, they're watching Colts film in Indianapolis and, and saying, well, Carson, he's just not getting a chance. But like that has been a, a story of his entire career. Like some of this is Carson Wentz. Uh, like I'm sure that the Colts offensive line has not been great, but also like that's just who he is. He gets himself in trouble in the pocket. Uh, he does not have great pocket presence. He is not moving to spaces where uh, he can buy himself time. He is often moving into the rush. Like you need to realize that's who he is. Also, the Colts did not seem to to realize that he gets hurt all the time, and so he now has two sprained ankles, and they. Uh, apparently do not have a ton of faith in last year draft pick Jacob Eason. I forget what round he went in fourth, fifth. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause they've also elevated Brett Hundley. And I guess, I think he is getting a lot of reps with the one. So it is entirely unclear who the Colts are even going to play at quarterback. Uh, you, and the options are hobbled Carson Wentz, Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley. Uh, so both of you picked the Titans. Yeah. I, I saw some people saying that, uh, the Colts might do like a two quarterback thing with like Eason oh and, gosh. and I just, just hard pass on that. Um, <laughs> take the Titans. Like I, I really don't understand how they're going to keep it close. Uh, maybe the Colts defense can step up and save the day for them, but it, it's just, it, it, it's such a quarterback disadvantage uh, that I really think it's a pretty easy pick for the Titans here. Uh, Saints at Patriots. Patriots minus two and a half. Uh, so I don't know. This should be should be a good game. Both of you went with the Patriots under the premise that Bill Belichick will flummox Jameis Winston because uh, Jameis often does that to himself. So of course the greatest defense of mine ever can probably pull that off. What do you what do you see with this? Yeah, I think the Patriots. Def- I don't know if the Patriots defense is like all the way back. Actually, good. Because yeah. last week was just uh, Zach Wilson was mm-hmm. that was like a fake performance. I don't really know uh, how much stock you could put into that. And the week before that, honestly, they did a, a, a damn good job against the the Dolphins defense, but then they just had some unlucky crap at the end of the game that caused them to lose. So um, I, I I I took the Patriots here just because you know I think the Patriots defense is playing well and uh, if anyone can like replicate what the Panthers just did. Uh, what the Panthers just did to the Saints. Like, Bill Belichick has a ton of experience running uh, a lot of, you know, zero blitzes, uh, you know, cover one stuff where you're you're sending an extra man uh, just to keep James Winston uh, from from standing back there clean and kind of picking apart defenses like he did uh, against the Packers in week one. Uh, You know, I, I have a little concern about the Patriots offense because, you know, quietly Mac Jones did not have a good game. Uh, really at all against the Jets, but Zach Wilson was so bad that no one really seemed to be talking about it. Uh, so I'm going to roll with the Patriots just because I think that their defense might be good again after, you know, last year they were really kind of low on talent uh, due to, you know, opt-outs and injuries, but, you know, those guys are back, and I think that it just kind of looks like that Patriots defense or a Patriots defense that we're used to again. Uh, Jets at Broncos. Broncos minus uh, Broncos. ten and a half. 
I, I assume that the NFL uses mostly like computers to make the schedule and then maybe manipulates it a little bit. But like this uh, having Trevor Lawrence play Vic Fangio and then Zach Wilson play Bill Belichick and then follow that up with Vic Fangio is uh, pretty diabolical. Pretty, yeah, pretty rough. Yeah. Guys, uh, I don't know. After what Zach Wilson put on tape last week, <laughs> I, I really don't know how you can have any confidence that they'll get into the end zone against the uh, the Broncos defense. I mean, the Broncos defense, really every level, they have somebody that can ruin your day. And that secondary is just uh, utterly insane. I know Bradley Chubb is out, but still, you got Von Miller. And this is this is a Jets offense that just looks completely discombobulated right now. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Zach Wilson doesn't get more shook than he was last week. But I really don't see how this one is close unless uh, – the Jets' defensive line just kind of takes over a little bit and mucks it up and gets in Teddy Bridgewater's face. But even then, like, Teddy's playing pretty good ball to start the season, and right. uh, this Jets' secondary isn't exactly a tough task. Yeah. Uh, what are we on now? Dolphins, Raiders. Surprised by the line here. Raiders minus three and a half. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is going to play. Tua has bruised ribs, broken ribs. Uh, he's got a He's got a rib injury. Uh, I, I can't remember how, if they said how bad it is, but uh, man, the Dolphins have struggled so far this year. Yeah, the thing is, like, even if Tua was in this game, I, I think that I would still take the Raiders, uh, just because I, I I don't think Tua's looked good at all this year. And I know that he only played like I think it's six or seven plays against the Bills last week before he got hurt with the rib injury, but you know it just looks slow. Uh, it, it looks like a timid offense. He's not really getting away from pressure. Uh, and then, you know, Brissett, I, I think that he's a a capable backup and, you know, someone you don't mind having on your team. But the truth is, like, when he's gotten to the game over the past few years, uh, he hasn't really been all that productive. Uh, like, honestly, he hasn't been productive at all, especially in terms right. of uh, <laughs> yards per attempt. So you, you kind of look where Jacoby is. You look at the Raiders or the, the Dolphins' offensive line, which is – bad like you might need five new starters bad uh in the offseason and you know the raiders surprisingly have a pretty good pass rush duo for like the first time since like 2000 maybe or even earlier than that uh with yannick and and max crosby come off the edge they've been really good and i think that they're going to give those dolphins tackles hell so whether it's Tua or Brissett in the game i don't really think it matters because uh that offensive line is hard to overcome and it's not like Tua has been showing off really any play and making so far this year Right. Uh, Seahawks at Vikings. Vikings minus one and a half. Two teams just really going through it, I feel like. just uh, uh, Seahawks obviously lost uh, a close game late to the Titans. The Vikings have just been sort of a mess. You guys both went with the Seahawks here. Uh, yeah, Russell Wilson. Uh, really, that's it. And I actually struggle in this one a little bit more you know, than, than that simple explanation, but um, I, I just kind of like Russell Wilson to, to overcome this and figure out a way to uh, keep pace with you know the the Vikings little trio of skill weapons with Justin Jefferson, right. Robin Cook, and Adam Thielen. Like those guys can really rip off chunks and, and win uh, uh, and win a game for you. But you know, the, I, I really don't know. It's just the Seahawks and Vikings. They always seem to have these weird close games at the end. And when you're talking about teams that can be that close. Uh, I'm just more inclined to take the one with the better quarterback that can make good plays. So 
Uh, I'm gonna run with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks on this, but you know, this is this is one game I'm actually looking forward to watching. Uh, yeah, just because every time these teams play each other, they seem to just lose their minds and forget how to play football for like a good stretch. So you know, I'm always in for some good football folly stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like this will uh, should be a really good game. Uh, also, the Seahawks. I mean, both these coaches are dudes who have been around forever and say things. You know, they don't really hold back uh, that much. And Pete Carroll, I think. If you read some of his quotes talking about the offense and you know, they brought in Shane Waldron, who's sort of a, a 180 turn from where they were under Schottenheim, like they just I, I really feel like there's a lot of behind the scenes fighting about what this offense is supposed to be and how Curl wants it to go and what Shane Waldron has done in the past. And uh, that we're really just sort of seeing that fight happen on the field a little bit as they try to figure out what they want to be and, and how Russell Wilson fits into that. So I kind of expect the Seahawks to start getting a little bit better uh, as that sorts itself out. And so I think, I think that pick makes sense. Uh, Bucks at Rams. Uh, Rams are getting a point and a half in this one. Well, obviously a, a game we're all looking forward to. Uh, I don't know if this is a, a, a hot take, but I kind of like the Rams to win this game. I uh, like it. I, I think I just kind of think that you know watching the Falcons last week, there were moments, uh, especially in that third quarter, where they were m- moving the ball like for real, uh, and like putting together long drives, sustaining them. And you know, it, I just kind of look at it, like if a team that has no big play potential so far is able to move it on Tampa Bay's defense, then uh, I think that Matthew Stafford and the Rams should be kind of looking their chops at the ability to make to pick up chunk plays while also sustaining drives. Uh, and it's not like that this Tampa Bay defense has not been quite as dominant as the one that we saw towards the end of last season. Uh, you know, they're not getting home to the quarterback uh, all that much. Uh, they're not causing quite as much pressure as last year. Uh, in terms of yards per play, they're just kind of above average right now. Uh, and I don't know if above average gets you home against uh, – Against his Rams, uh, against his Rams offense, and on the flip side, uh, you know, Aaron, I'd, I'd still just believe in the talent of like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey to to just wreck a game. I know that Tom Brady uh, is once again playing like ridiculously good football, and you know that offense is just like second nature to him with how comfortable he looks in it uh, and the rapport that he has with his receivers. But you know, I I just kind of like the Rams to do enough on offense to outscore Brady. Uh, outscore Brady and the Bucks, even though this is going to be a tough task for the Rams defense too. Uh, I, I just think that this Tampa Bay defense is not quite where it was last year, and they can certainly get better throughout the year. But right now, uh, I think that slowing down the Rams offense might be a tough challenge for them. Yeah. It's uh, so nice to have Matthew Stafford plopped into this working offense. You know, he like obviously early in his career, he had Calvin Johnson and, uh, we sort of watched that and said, well, he's got one of the best wide receivers ever. Like, how much is it him? And then he just sort of like was in the desert, right? Because the Lions were terrible, had terrible rosters, terrible coaches. And he just kind of like steadily did his thing. And I'm not, you know, we probably just didn't appreciate him because he was on a bad team, with surrounded by bad players. Uh, and so now to have him be able to, to like work in a functioning team is 
really nice to see. And it, it's been exactly what we expected, right? Like you said, just the rapport he has and the understanding of the offense, the throws he can make compared to Jared Goff last year. Uh, it's really fun to see. Uh, Packers at 49ers, Niners minus three and a half. Uh, yeah, I want the 49ers here. Uh, I, I really don't know how the Packers are going to slow down this run game. I don't even know who is playing running back for the 49ers this week, but I know when I see Kyle Shanahan uh, against a defense that has zero tackles for losses in the first two games and uh, there were moments where the Detroit Lions were running the ball on them, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's going to figure that out. And, you know, honestly, when you look at the Packers, I know that the, the final score from last week was pretty convincing, but, you know, they've only played one half of good football so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that you know this line kind of underrates uh, the talent on this 49ers team because one thing I'll give the Eagles, even though I think that they're kind of overrated, is they have a good defensive front. And mm-hmm. uh, they were still able to figure out how to move the ball a little bit on that, even though Jimmy Garoppolo I just had like the most flashy game ever. Where you know, any time that he was asked to do something that required a little bit of quarterback work, he just missed it and it was wide open. Uh, but you know, Kyle Shanahan will give him the opportunities. Uh, I have not really been impressed by Joe Barry at all, uh, the Packers' mm-hmm. defensive coordinator. And you know, you still got Kevin King out there who is just a marked man every time he steps on the field. So uh, I, I'm gonna take the, the 49ers and uh, the points, and I, I, I kind of like them to win a little bit big on this game. Uh, we brought up a Justice Mosqueda uh, grievance earlier with the Sammy Watkins thing. Another one of his is uh, the way the NFC East is constantly uh, pumped into prime time. Monday night, Eagles at Cowboys. Uh, sure, sure, this game is interesting. Uh, the Cowboys are uh, minus three and a half. Uh, you went with the boys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't think that Jalen Hurts can keep up with Dak Prescott. Uh, and I kind yeah. of think that it's that simple. I know the, the Eagles, like they should be able, they should have a, a, an advantage when it comes to their offensive line versus the Cowboys defense line. But the Cowboys defense has been kind of all right so far. Uh, I, I would say they've been like probably an average defense, which is, hey, it's not bad for them, especially right. considering where they were last year. Uh, so I, I'll take the Cowboys uh, here with the points and – I'm I'm like slightly interested in watching this game, but I gotta say the Eagles' offense last week against uh, the 49ers looked more like what I thought the Eagles' offense was going to look like coming into the season, not when they played that you know SEC team in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, poor SEC team. Eagles losing Brandon Graham is huge. I mean, he's really the the guy that keeps the defensive line together a little bit. So uh, Fletcher Cox is obviously the best player, but. Uh, <laughs> It'll be interesting, um, you know, just losing that depth and going against a team that can run the ball. And like you said, Dak has been great so far. All right, that's what we got for this week. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back uh, Monday, review week three. Monday or Tuesday, I guess. We've been doing it Tuesday, so probably Tuesday again. Gives us time to uh, figure out what's going on. Uh, Chuck, I wanted to tell you that uh, you had this great line on Twitter the other day where you called, uh, you said that Matt Ryan's arm has a little bit of pulled pork to it, uh, which is uh, amazing, except that I was, I'm planning on smoking some pork shoulder this weekend, and now I'm just going to be uh, shredding this meat and thinking about Matt Ryan. Uh, 
And it's, yeah, it, it, it's it's falling off the boat a little bit for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know why why that came to me. Uh, a lot so funny, but uh, like just anytime you think about like a quarterback's arm like starting to get up there in age. Yeah, usually you call it a noodle. You say like, oh, he's got a noodle arm now. But noodle I like the pulled. Arm. I like the pulled pork thing. Yeah, so well, cause pulled pork like to me it has like, a connotation of aging to it because you know young quarterbacks there even if you don't have a strong arm like. You're still at the peak of like whatever your arm strength is, but we know that Matt Ryan's uh, not what he used to be, and you know the arms is falling off the bone a little bit. And <laughs> you know, maybe uh, you should have taken a quarterback from Ohio State that uh, you can't make that pull of pork quite yet. Uh, I'm glad that's not haunting you, though. I'm glad I'm glad that you're uh, you're just moving on. Oh no, that's yeah, I, I definitely won't be tweeting like a, a crazy person. <laughs> goes off for you know 375 yards and four touchdowns <laughs> oh man all right thanks for joining us everybody and we will talk to you next time take care the counter an nfl podcast from usa today sports Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.